On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks get an overtime victory at home, stopping a losing skid and actually getting on track and winning a close basketball game. We'll get into all of what transpired in this one and more, and all that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1629 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepicks.com slash NBA. And use promo code LOCKDOWNNBA for first deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at Prize Picks. And also, make us your first listen each and every day. Here at the Lockdown Hawks Podcast, please subscribe to the show and check us out on Apple or Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show, we'll get into what became a nice win for the Hawks, actually. A nice change of pace. They won a close game, 139-132 to at home against the Sixers in overtime. Uh, ironically, the Hawks have played two overtime games this year. and uh, Sorry, three overtime games this year, and two of them are in the last two games. Of course, they lost the overtime game on Sunday down in Orlando, and they win this one at home. Um, they snap a two-game losing streak in the process where they kind of have wavered a little bit, of course, this year. They improved to only 15-21, I should say. Not what anybody wants at this point. We all kind of know that at this. if you're following the Hawks closely and listening to this podcast, but still a nice victory. And yes, Joel Embiid did not play for the Sixers, which certainly levels the playing field considerably in this matchup, and it was not very easy at any point. In fact, neither team in this game led by more than eight points. It was a single-digit game the entire way for 53 minutes, um, the Hawks were actually down by four points with under a minute to go in regulation and came back to forced overtime. They were down by three points in overtime. Uh, they had to make some plays. And this year, that's been a theme. that They've not just made any of those plays late in games. This time around, it, again, wasn't flawless, but they got, got, enough, got enough of that done, and they won a game that they have not won a lot of this year. So as we always do on the podcast, we'll kind of dive in to kind of the bigger takeaways of what was my observations in this game, my analysis, etc., and yes, the Hawks were favored in this game by one point, according to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, because Embiid was out along with Robert Covington. But Atlanta was also shorthanded in this game, which we'll talk about more later on in the podcast. Um, but offensively, look, it wasn't perfect. This is a team that's good offensively in general, but it was very good. They had some lulls. The second quarter was certainly a, a spot that was a sore one for Atlanta's offense. But then a 123 offensive rating in the game. And that means they scored more than 1.2 points every time they had the ball in this game on average. And they made plays when they kind of had to late in the game. They didn't shoot the ball well from three-point range. They were okay, 35% on moderate volume, not great. They also shot very poorly at the rim in this game, which was kind of a surprise because they got to the rim a lot. Uh, Joel Embiid was not there, of course, and Philadelphia was left without kind of their primary rim protector and what they funneled their defense to. But the Hawks actually shot poorly um, percentage-wise at the rim, but they found other ways to be efficient, and they kind of plowed through it in a positive direction. One of the big things, actually, in this game is that they had 42 free throw attempts. That is a season high for Atlanta. That's a ton for anyone, but certainly, obviously, you know, season high speaks for itself uh, when you're talking about a team that's now played 36 games this year. They didn't shoot great at the line, actually. They missed 11 free throws, uh, 74% from the line, but which is not terrible and not great either. But they got there a lot, and that helps their efficiency. I actually asked Quinn postgame about this. He talked about that, also pivoted the question a little bit. But I want to play that for you now. So here is my question to Quinn Snyder about the free throw line and also kind of what he had to say about that and other things. 
you got to the line 42 times in this game and also a lot of times at the rim. Was that a point of emphasis, especially with him beat out? Was it just attacking downhill as the mindset? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when we're playing our best basketball, you know, we're, the, the ball's touching the paint. And at, at the same time, you know, we, if we have, you know, kick-aheads for early threes, we want to take those. Um, but when we break the defense down and get in the paint, I thought we did a great job tonight um, of keeping our feet and not turning the ball over when we got in there. I don't know how many turnovers we had on the game. Um, but, we, you know, that's against a team that leads the league in forcing turnovers. Um, if you are driving the ball, some of those interior passes for us have been deflected at times. So, yeah, you, you, you want to drive the ball. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought our guys did a good job. I thought it was a physical game, um, particularly in the first half. And I thought we did a good job of keeping our composure, you know, and adjusting to the way the game was being called. And, and that paid off as the game went along. So from there, the Hawks actually also had fantastic ball security. Now, Quinn mentioned that in, the, in his answer that you just heard, but just to kind of give you the numbers, they had 13 turnovers in this game in 53 minutes. So overtime game, 13 giveaways in the entire game. Seven of those actually were in the second quarter alone, which is bad for any quarter. But the rest of the game, they had six turnovers in 41 minutes. And that is excellent against anyone. Also 30, 32 assists. But what, the reason I'm bringing that up now, as quick as I talked about a little bit in that answer, is that Philadelphia, um, number one, is fantastic at crane turnovers this year. And yes, Embiid is like kind of part of that. And most of that, uh, Embiid is like the rim protector. They're, what they do on the perimeter is more of the turnover creation aspects. Um, Philadelphia plays very physically on defense. And honestly, they were allowed to play that way in this game a lot. It's actually crazy the Hawks took this many free throws because there were probably another, I don't even know what to put a number on it, but a lot more opportunities the Hawks probably could have gotten to the line in this game. But I thought the Hawks, um, as Quinn was kind of talking about, like it's a huge plus to not turn the ball over against this Philadelphia team. And I would say it isn't a coincidence that the Hawks had their worst offensive quarter in the quarter where they couldn't take care of the ball. The rest of the game took care of it, got shots, got shots to the rim, and that was very effective. And by the way, when they actually took shots, they were very good on the glass offensively. They took advantage of Philadelphia's lack of size. They were playing a little bit smaller without him beating this game. Um, the combination of offensive rebounding and ball security won the possession battle overall. The Hawks took more shots overall in this game, and that usually is a good sign for your fundamentals. And from there, just really good balance from the offense. Now, it's not always about like points scored when it comes to balance, but in this game, it kind of was a pretty illustrative, I think, of like what it was. So... In short, without Capella and Hunter in this game, the Hawks had six guys that I would describe as like their core six guys that were available. They kind of have a pretty clear top eight. And yes, they have young guys that are not in that group right now as far as playing every game, like Bufkin and Lundy and Griffin, etc. But the eight guys that the Hawks currently have on their roster that they are very comfortable playing, they had six of those guys available in this game. It was Akonwu, Bay, Johnson, Young, Murray, and Bogdanovich. All six of those guys had 15 points or more. In this game. So that kind of tells you the balance they had. They had three guys with 25 points or more DeJounte, Trey, and Jalen Johnson. Um, they were very effective across the board here. And we'll talk about Jalen's big night later on, but even the bench guys gave them good minutes in this game. I thought Quinn talked about that as well. I won't play that, that audio for you, but he talks about just how hard the bench guys played, and I definitely would agree with that having watched this game. So offensively, not a masterclass, but certainly pretty good. And then defensively, as this sort of talked about, like the fact that the bench guys, like, in particular, Trent Forrest has a big impact on defense and offense. But defensively, it was pretty solid in this game. It wasn't perfect. 
if you adjust for Embiid not being there, no one should celebrate a 117 offensive rating for the Sixers being allowed by the Hawks. I'm not telling you that they were perfect on all defense in this game. They weren't. There were some moments, as we'll talk about later on, where they had some really bad breakdowns, in particular like off the ball, allowing back cuts, etc. It's been a problem all year long. But they won the glass overall. They did allow a lot of free throw attempts in this game, but less than Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, by the way, is number one in the league in free throw creation. So holding them, not necessarily in check, but like they, winning that battle was important. And then also, yes, Tyrese Maxey had 35 points in this game. He was their primary option. But he had 35 points on 34 shooting possessions. So he wasn't super efficient, which helps as a team. Philadelphia shot 45% from the field. That's pretty good. So... Aside from a couple of moments in the third quarter that were uh, pretty glaringly bad, um, Sadiq Bey struggled. I <laughs> thought defensively he wasn't the only one, bogey two. But they did enough in this one. So I'll stop rambling, but I do think it was, a, generally speaking, a really solid win. Um, I don't want to go overboard talking about how they how they played great because they, you know, they were favored in this game. I tip off. That was reasonable to me without Embiid. And if you take Philadelphia, sorry, if you take Embiid away from Philadelphia, they're not a great team by any means, but the Hawks were down two starters as well. It wasn't like they were uh, playing at full strength here either, and uh, a nice win. And again, I don't want to overstate it, but certainly this is kind of the flow of a game that the Hawks have had not a lot of success in this year, and they won this one, and that is kind of the top-line thought in this spot. We'll have more on this coming up in a second, as we always do as far as the game flow is concerned, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS right now. At PrizePix, all you have to do is pick two to six players and then choose whether they have more or less than a projection in a ton of different categories across sports. Win up to 25 times the money on your, on your entries. That's always very solid to have as an opportunity. And they have common projections across sports as well. You can, you can include two or more players from different sports or different leagues together. And they have a huge selection of sports not offered anywhere else. Also, stat types. Uh, and sort of the vari- the variation there, the variance is, is a lot of fun to kind of dive through what's even available at Prize Picks. They have the M- NBA, of course, NFL, NHL, PGA, and much more. And they have a reboot policy at Prize Picks. In fact, they're the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I've enjoyed checking out Prize Picks for quite some time now. I dig into the NBA stuff every day, NFL stuff as well. The playoffs coming up this weekend. On the whole, the experience is fantastic at Prize Picks. It's easy, it's fun, I recommend it, and it's really a user friendly experience, top to bottom. And the place to go is pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there for a first-time deposit match up to $100 with PrizePix. One more time, the place to go is pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out DFS made easy with PrizePix. All right, so as I mentioned, nothing was ever like breezy in this one. It was kind of a slog of a game. I might repeat that later on, but in case I don't. It was never comfortable. It was kind of never really a super flowy game. Like lots of stoppages, lots of free throws, lots of whistles, lots of you know, reviews, challenges, et cetera, et cetera. There were some Trey Young passes, including one at the very beginning of the game, actually, to, to Okongwu. It was a great pass. And the offense was crisp from the Hawks most of the night, as I mentioned before. Um, 18 points in the, first, in the first five minutes, a good start there. Um, I want to stop now, though, talk about like the rotation, who was available in this game. I talked about it before a little bit, that the Hawks had only six of their top eight guys. Of course, Hunter's been out for a while. He's still out. Capella missed this game with Achilles soreness. Quinn indicated pregame that the team is uh, not expecting anything long-term on Capella, which is obviously a good sign. I was actually the one to ask that question. I argued last night, actually, on my Patreon and also on Twitter that I would sit Click Capella if there was any sort of doubt, given the way that this team sets up against the Embiidless Sixers. Also, the schedule. The Hawks, this is actually the start of the, of the stretch of four games and six nights for Atlanta. 
And they're all at home, but still, that's pretty grueling. And Philadelphia playing smaller without Embiid, like, it was a perfect night if there was any doubt. Like, you don't have to rest him for no reason. But once, once Capella was on the injury report, I was like, all right, give him the night off. And that made sense. Obviously, there's some issue there and a question. He's had some Achilles issues in the past, but hopefully he's back on Friday. And they will probably you know need him more in certain matchups. But it was a good night to rest him. I'm glad I did that. Um, also, on this front, an update came down on Hunter and Garrison Matthews, both of whom have injury updates that were official earlier this week. Hunter, uh, the Hawks announced, is going to actually start doing half-court work later in the week last week. And then there is a, quote, increase in basketball activities, end quote, upcoming no timeline, so that's a little bit uncertain and weird, but he's getting closer and closer, it seems like. Garrison Matthews has that left ankle sprain that he suffered on Sunday. They're going to re- reevaluate him in one or two weeks, so he won't be out a ton, but probably le- at least that whole homestand, I would imagine he will not he will not be playing. And I know, not a huge loss, but he's a guy that, as I sort of noted on Twitter today, he had played in every game that Hunter had missed in the last eight games. He played all of them, so Garrison has been like their eighth or ninth man for a while now, and he, he's, he was not available in this game. Also, by the way, Kobe Bufkin did not play tonight in College Park. He actually has a back injury after landing uh, pretty hard after a hard fall in a recent Skyhawks game uh, before tonight. So, uh, well, that out of the way, <laughs> lots of stuff there, but they were shorthanded in this game. And I was uh, a little bit uncertain as to who was going to play in a rotation beyond the top six. It was Trent Forrest. And, of course, Bruno was the backup center, which makes sense. He was kind of, that was kind of the obvious, obvious choice. Um, Trent Forrest, though, and Patty Mills. In the second half, it was actually just Forrest, which I was fine with. Um, I like what they have done with Trent in recent days. Now, I'm higher on him than most, but also against teams like Indiana, teams that, you know, like Philly tonight, that have a high usage guard, Trent is their best defender on the roster, in my opinion, on smaller guards. And that meant guarding Tyrese Maxey in this game, which he definitely did and did well and played well. Um, Hawks up uh, three at the end of the first quarter. They didn't shoot it well as they did the entire game. They were attacking early on. Kong had a big start to the game with like, I think 11 points in the first five minutes, something like that. Um... Kind of a slog. Uh, sorry, Philly had a pretty big run in the middle of the second quarter. The Hawks actually started slowly from three. They were one of nine. Trey had a very rough stint in the second quarter in particular. And that was the quarter, by the way, that the Hawks had the seven turnovers in the in the, in the, in the, in the quarter. Uh, the Hawks did, did, did sort of land a counterpunch with an 8-0 run after a couple of threes by Trey and DeJounte. It was a weird final minute. The Hawks got a technical foul for a delay of game, and then Trey got another one for kind of arguing it maybe, clapping, clapping at the official, whatever. Uh, that was his eighth second of the season, so he's halfway to, to a suspension. Keep that in mind for later in the season. Um, then Jalen threw the ball away in the last like five seconds to give up a dunk. So not a great ending to the quarter, let's just say, to the half before halftime. But they were still down only three. Um, it was still kind of weird, weirdly officiated in the third quarter. I don't want to make too much of this, but it was a rough officiated game. Not just Hawk stuff either. Like they quick whistles on technical fouls, um, not consistently, in my opinion, all the way through. Um, Sadiq Bey went down hard, and Trey tried to foul to stop play. He got called for a take foul, which was an absurd play because it wasn't like an advantage for Philadelphia. They were not running on a fast break. It was just a strange... There just wasn't a lot of control from the officials, I will say. Um, Akongo kind of pulled a capella at one point in the third quarter, actually. He got a nice pass from Jalen Johnson and kind of just didn't go up with it right away. And he kind of dribbled into trouble in a way that Clint sometimes does. I thought it was kind of an interesting parallel. And they missed Clint in some ways in this game. I thought Clint would have been better than Bruno was in particular, but Congo was very good, which is notable. Um, Quinn challenged a foul on Trey. Not the most high leverage play in the world, but Trey and the whole team really was kind of getting frustrated with the officials. I thought it was a good idea to kind of challenge that, not only because it was the right call and they kind of won the challenge, but also just to back Trey up. But it was kind of weird in that Quinn, quote-unquote, won the challenge, but 
it's hard to explain if you haven't seen the, seen the play, but the officials ruled that it was continuation for Maxi, and that it was a goaltend. So actually, the Hawks ended up losing two points <laughs> despite winning the challenge. Bizarre. Anyway, it didn't bite them, but it would have. It kind of did in some ways because they went to overtime in this one. Also, some free throw issues, as I mentioned before, they were missing a bunch of the line. Um, dead even in the third quarter, it was better than offensively, but in the fourth, we'll kind of fly through this a little bit here. A nice 10-2 run by the Hawks to open the fourth quarter up. Bogey had it going. Trent Forrest had it going with a nice layup and transition. Uh, also, another quarter three by Jalen Johnson. Um, it didn't matter, but Bruno had one of the funnier uncalled moving screens that I have seen in a long time. Uh, you'd have to watch it in, on the film, but he's essentially just full-on pass blocking, and I had a good laugh about that watching it. It was obviously helpful for the Hawks because it worked, but it was kind of funny. Um, they're up five mid-quarter. Bay actually made a corner three at a big time, which he's not done, done a great job with that with those this year. Um, acknowledging that, though, I would not have closed with Sadiq, as I said during the game a couple times on social media. I, I think Bogey would have been better for me to close. Now, I'll stop here and say this. I think... Or at least I suspect uh, this has not been confirmed, so I'm kind of I'm kind of guessing here that the Hawks have an eye on Bogey's minutes, just a, just an eye, because um, he sat for a long time, and I'm not sure that was entirely performance related. I'm not sure, but we'll. See. I think for the last couple weeks here, he's been like under 30 pretty much all the time, which I'm okay with. But being strategic on that might be uh, useful. But I was surprised that he didn't close. He did come back in at the very end of overtime, but he sat too long, and they went with uh, Bay too long. In fact. I would have gone with Forrest over Bay. That's how I felt about Bay's defense in this game. But anyway, it worked out. So I'll zoom to the end here. Uh, Tremis is a floater that he usually makes. And I thought he might have been fouled, but that led to Philadelphia scoring on the other end of the floor and leading for the first time in the whole fourth quarter with like two minutes to go. Uh, Maxi then uh, kind of went at Murray a couple times and beat him back back to back. Uh, Maxi blew right by him the first time. Then Murray took a pretty bad contested jump shot on offense. And then Maxi had a step back three. So that sequence which was really rough for DeJounte, put the Hawks down by four with under minutes ago. And that is danger zone time. Um, and then they called timeout and left Bogey on the bench. And I hated that. I really did. But it worked. The Hawks had a good set, good set of the timeout. They got six, they got Sixers kind of scrambling in the rotation. And Jalen attacked the corner. And it was a bad foul by Philadelphia, but that worked out for the, well for the Hawks. Three-point play and cut the lead from four down to one. They got a stop. Then the Hawks had a really rough possession, actually, in which they kind of had nothing going. But Quinn called timeout smartly. He ran all the way down the court to call timeout, get the attention of the official, get one in. And then after the timeout, they got Trey going downhill. He gets fouled. 12 seconds to go with a chance to take the lead. Uh, Nurse actually challenged the play, which is hilarious. It was a clear foul. But uh, Trey missed the first free throw. So it's weird. Uh, The numbers don't look as bad as they might feel. Trey has missed some free throws this year in, in key moments that are just kind of frustrating for a guy who's as good as he is at the line, but it happened in this game. They dodged it. And I will say, Trey had a very good defensive play on the last possession of the regulation. He timed the double team perfectly, forces a turnover against Maxi, and they get to overtime. So Trey makes up for that in a big way. Overtime, um, they had a very, very bad, brutal defensive rebound mishap between Bay and Okongwu that led to a three by Philadelphia that was kind of like, oh man, they're going to lose this game again. Um, they missed an open shot. They were down three with two and a half minutes to go. Uh, and then Trey got blocked on a drive. And I think the probably the single biggest missed shot of the game was a three by Nick Batum with about two minutes to go. And it was, I'm telling you, wide open. And that would have put the Hawks down by six with two minutes to go. And they could have still won the game, but that, was, that would have been brutal. But he missed it. 
Trey drew, down, Trey drew, down, drew down the floor, got to the line. He talked about this after the game. I don't have the audio clip for you to play, but um, it was a good question by Julian Johnson about Trey kind of knowing that Maxi had five fouls and kind of going right at him at that point in time, which was smart. He got to the line again, fouled Maxi out of the game. He did miss a free throw in, in, that, in that stint as well. And they actually brought Bogey back in right there. I actually wonder if they might have been keeping Bogey away from Maxi a little bit, considering how like perfectly parallel that was. But anyway... They got to stop again after that, and then Bogey missed a three, but then Congo got a great, a, uh, an offensive rebound that was big. They found Jalen, who got fouled, made both, and they tied the game, erased that deficit with about a minute to go. Then Jalen Johnson, huge play. So he got the free throws on that play. Then he gets the deflection, leads to a turnover, and then he hits a catch-and-shoot three with about four seconds to go to put the Hawks up by three. And uh, DeJounte, shouts to him, had a nice drive that I know that uh, you know Quinn mentioned after the game. Uh, he kind of took up, uh, I'll say this now, Quinn started his post-press conference by talking about Trey and DeJounte in a positive way, like even without a question, just wanted to get it out there. But anyway, uh, he mentioned this play in particular about Murray. Just, it's, look, it was a simple play in some ways, but DeJounte made a good drive. He gave it up to Jalen. It's like, hey, shoot this, and he knocked it down, and that was a huge play. Also, Bogey got guarded in a big way there. That's kind of why you want Bogey on the court. He got flown at by Philadelphia on that play. And then Kongu blocks, blocks a shot. On the next possession after a timeout, and they have a chance to put the game away. Kind of a rough possession. Like Murray, it was Murray ISO. I didn't love that, but because he after he missed it, Bay actually bullied his way to a, to a rebound. Probably fouled somebody. But hey, it worked out well for the Hawks. Got the ball, found Jalen, who got fouled, made both to go up by five, and that was kind of the end of the game. So Jalen was by the way four fourth in the lineup for, in overtime. He was so good in the overtime period. He was a huge factor in this game. I know I've said a lot in, in this little segment, but. There was a lot going on. Just to kind of reemphasize, the Hawks' biggest lead, I think, in the last like quarter and a half was the very end of the game, like the actual final score, because they got Trey got fouled at the very, very end of the game. Um, but it was it was never comfortable. I want to stress that if you don't watch the game, it was very very tight the entire way through. And again, the Hawks were down with like with like two minutes to go. But uh, big place. Jalen Johnson made a couple big plays. Again, the Murray play, um, free throws, big big from Jalen in the fourth in the fourth quarter in overtime. And uh, they, they I'm not, I'm not, I won't say they stole one, but they certainly got one that they would not have won all, all the way through this year. Uh, and uh, perhaps they sign up positive things to come for this Hawks team. All right, we'll have more on this game when it comes to player-by-player evaluations. But first, it were from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is sponsored by Jace Medical. I know we come to Sportsbook Skip from some of the crazy realities of life, but if you don't mind, I'll talk to you for a minute now about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in a very long time. That's scary stuff for a lot of people, um, and it would be a helpless feeling if someone in the family of yours or a close friend group got sick while a supply chain issue actually helped them, kept them, I should say, from getting them a life-saving medication that they actually needed. But thankfully, there is Jace Medical. They, offer, they actually offer the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses. They, that includes UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and many others. And this stuff happen, happen to any of us and anyone in our families, and you want to be prepared. The place to go is jacemedical.com. And if you put your physician encounter right now, it will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at the fraction of a regular cost. It's never been important to be prepared than today. And the place to go one more time is jacemedical.com, and use promo code LOCKEDON when you get there to get $20 off your order with Jace Medical. One more time, that's jacemedical.com, and use the offer code LOCKEDON. All right, and to the player evaluations in this one, I mentioned it before, but nine guys appeared. Patty Mills played in the first half, not in the second half. Patty was fine. He didn't take a shot, but um, kind of zeros across the board, two fouls. 
Uh, gave him good effort, I thought, as Quinn mentioned post-game. Not a whole lot else to add there. Um, no Lundy, no Griffin, and the guys who were uh, who were active. That's a whole different discussion I'll save for another day, but, you know, it is what it is. Trent Forrest, good minutes. 19 minutes for Trent. Four points, three assists, five rebounds, plus six in his minutes. I thought he was really good. And obviously, I am predisposed to liking what Trent does on the court. He doesn't have a super high usage, but he's a good ball handler, good decision maker, great, really, really good defender, honestly. And I thought he gave them great minutes. So I liked that they used him. I liked that they leaned on him a little bit heavier in the second half. All that was good. Bruno Fernando, eight points, five rebounds, three blocks for Bruno. That's obviously solid. The one area that was rough for Bruno was that he was two of nine at the free throw line. That's tough. Um, he's better than that usually. He's a career like guy, you know, somewhere like in like the 60s. So he's not a great shooter at the line, but still certainly better than that. Um, but other, other than that, I thought he was okay. I don't think he was great, but he gave them competent minutes. And as I've said before many times, Bruno as a third center is a good thing to have because you know you're going to miss some guys sometimes, and Bruno can just come, kind of pop in there, play backup minutes, and give you a pretty solid performance level. And then Bogey, 15 points on 16 shots. It's actually it was six of eight from two and one of eight from three. It's a little bit strange there. Four assists for Bogey, but man, he gets guarded so differently. I know I don't I don't, I don't want to say it all the time, but I would want to stress that the way he gets guarded helps everybody else. It just does. His gravity is massive. To the starters, again, everybody 15 points or more, including Bogey of the top six. Uh, Bay probably had the worst night of the, of the five, I would say. He wasn't awful. 15 points, 10 rebounds. Defensively, just a lot of breakdowns, a lot of backdoor cut stuff that he gave up in this game, and it's kind of been a problem all year long. But again, a big rebound late on on, on the glass plays physically. It definitely helps them. Um, one of six on threes, but the one that he made was a pretty big one in the fourth quarter. Um, five of ten on twos. So not efficient at all, but certainly not uh, not his worst. Uh, Akongu was pretty good. In fact, he was really good for most of the game. 19 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks for Nyeka. Did have five fouls, but uh, managed to stay in the game. Um, 7-10 from the floor, 5-5 five, five from three. Sorry, from, from the free throw line. Uh, good chemistry with Trey Young in the first quarter. Kind of cooled off after that a little bit. Um, less impact offensively, but um, defensively a couple big plays at the end of the game, for sure. And I think it was a good matchup for him against Paul Reed, who's not a huge guy. It kind of helps Congo in some ways. I he played well in this one. Um, Jalen Johnson. So I'll stop here. I'm going to, before I tell you anything that Jalen did in this game, I have uh, the audio from Quinn. So Quinn was asked by Lauren Williams of the AJC, who actually, I'm actually going to include the question in this uh, in this audio clip, kind of about the way that Jalen played overall in this one. So you hear the question from Lauren, and then here's what Quinn had to say about Jalen Johnson. Throughout this season, we've just seen Jalen's confidence just continue to rise and rise and rise. For him to take that last shot, that three, just what does it say about his growth and his mindset well, this I, season? I, yeah, I, I think the... The, the important thing about that tonight, the notable thing I should say, is that he didn't have his best game, you know, the other night against Orlando. And, you know, it's something that you know, we talked about that he, you know, he, 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 he owned that and then let it go. And it's no different than missing a shot. You know, you take the next one and he knows how much confidence, you know, I have in him and he could feel tonight his teammates' confidence in him. You know, when... DJ makes that pass, he's basically telling him to shoot. And, uh, you know, the, no hesitation whatsoever. And that's part of becoming, you know, a really good player. And that's what he wants to do. And, you know, I, I think the, the thing about Jalen's development is we've all seen things that, um, you know, his teammates have seen, the coaching staff, you guys, that, that get you excited. But you also can forget, you know, I don't know how many minutes a game Jalen's played up until this year. Um, but it's not 30, 
And so this is, he's a young player, you know, and, and you keep that in mind. And I say that because, you know, him playing the way he did tonight, letting the game come to him, and, you know, playing both ends of the floor and impacting the game various ways, and then obviously having a chance to knock down an open shot and at then, a big time, obviously. So, yeah, Jalen was pretty good <laughs> in this one. Uh, 25 points for Jalen, obviously excellent there. On 13 shots, he was 5 of 9 from 2, 3 of 4 from 3, and um, all six at the free throw line, he made all six of them. Uh, career high, 16 rebounds for Jalen in this game. A career high, 7 assists for Jalen in this game. Two blocks and a steal. He was just fantastic. He really was. You, know, you, you heard Quinn talk about how he wasn't his best on Sunday. I agree with that. But, man, he was really good tonight. Um, what else do you say? He makes a huge impact defensively for them. Um, the night and day difference between when he's on the floor and when he's off the floor defensively right now for the Hawks is uh, is pretty big, especially when it's not Akonwu and Capella. If it's not the two bigs and it's not Jalen, it's rough. But, um, you know, we saw that in this game, the passing, the rebounding, the finishing around the rim. Um, yeah, he was he was excellent. So awesome performance from Jalen. More of that to come, I'm sure. And then uh, Trey DeJounte. DeJounte had a pretty solid offensive game, 25 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. He was 3 of 11, actually, on twos, which is a little bit strange. But 5-7 from 3. Got to the line 4 times, made all, made all 4. A little bit iso-heavy at times. His He's not passing at the highest level right now, I don't think, but I thought he gave them good offense for the most part in this one. And then Trey was hit and miss, for sure. Not efficient. Um, 28 points on, I believe it was 29 shooting possessions in this one. 5 of 14 from 2. A little bit rough. Didn't have his floor in this game. 2 of 8 from 3. 11 assists. Trey's in a little bit of a shooting slump now. He had that run hot stretch when he was having 30 and 10 every night, basically, where he's making a lot of shots. Last seven games, so basically from Christmas till now, he's shooting 40% from the field and 17 of 20, sorry, 17 of 67 from three, about 25%. So he's kind of due for some positive regression again, but I think he gave them good minutes overall. He, had, he, had a, he was pretty rough in the second quarter, for sure. He was one of the problems there. But other than that, I thought he played well, and I think, I mean, I don't want to overstate it. But defensively, he's been buying in. He's been solid. He's been active. He was good in this game a lot of times. He wasn't perfect, but he was active. He was, again, bought in. That's kind of all you could ask for from Trey at this point. So that's it for the game for the most part. Um, I could do a little bit of a riff here on trade stuff. I'm not going to do that a lot, but there was a report from Adrian Wojnarowski actually on threads today, a little bit strangely, that the Hawks are, quote, open to almost anything at the trade deadline, which is not a huge surprise, but certainly worth noting when it's Woj. Saying that again, basically everyone is available. He did say this, this is kind of the headliner of the day, that the Hawks have, quote, gone as far as they will probably go on DeJounte Murray's pairing with Trey Young in the backcourt, and they are, quote, talking Murray deals and others throughout the league. Not a huge surprise now if you've been paying attention for a while. Um, what I would say is that the Hawks are looking for DeJounte trades. I would say that DeJounte is not super opposed from what I hear about being traded. Um, we'll have more of that in the future. But uh, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, I think it was kind of intentional in some ways that Quinn led his postgame by praising Trey and DeJounte both and praising their professionalism and praising their teamwork and that they didn't like, you know, it was kind of, um, it felt intentional to me. I'll say that. And talked about how like staying together. And yeah, those are all things that every coach wants you to do. I thought it was interesting tonight in particular. But anyway, We'll have more on that later when I have a more of a trade focus on the episode and less of a game focus. But um, trade stuff's out there. I'm getting questions all day, every day about it. I get it. We're four weeks away from the deadline. Could there be a trade tomorrow? Sure. Could there be a trade? Could there be nothing for three more weeks? Sure. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have full coverage of that. 
And with all that said, the Hawks play again on Friday and Saturday, back-to-back at home against the Pacers and the Wizards. As a PSA, Friday's game is actually on Petri TV locally and actually not on Bally Sports Southeast locally. The game is also on, on the CBS affiliate locally in Atlanta if you are a resident. So an over-the-air game there. Also, no Halliburton for the Pacers, which changes everything. Not to go down the rabbit hole too much, but Halliburton is maybe the most, like, I don't, want to use their, I don't want to use the word valuable, uh, reliance player in the whole league for what a team does. They have their whole thing is built around Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana. Being a bad defensive team, being a great offensive team, uh, the way that they operate, it's all Halliburton, and he's not there. So that's not the same team. Um, kind of similar to the Sixers without Embiid. Uh, you know, Embiid is better than Halliburton, but the Hawks dodge a couple of bullets here um, playing two teams that they've had trouble with in the past at times. Um, Embiid, obviously, a big loss, and then Halliburton again on Friday. So doesn't mean anything's going to be guaranteed. The Hawks lost tonight pretty easily, but um, a better spot than they have had against Fr- against the Pacers on Friday, and then the Wizards on Saturday. So it's a back-to-back, but it's the Wizards, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, we'll have more on that. I am probably not going to have a show on Saturday, just PSA on that ahead of time. Um, I rarely miss a game, usually one or two per year as far as like the auto – uh, reactions after the game, but I have some travel this weekend. It's a Saturday. It's a back-to-back. Um, it happens every once in a while. I'll catch up on that game on Monday, but I, I will have, but I will have a show on Friday after Hawks Pacers. So stay tuned for all of that. Subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your platform of choice. I really would, would appreciate that as well. Tell your friends about the show. Follow my work on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/BTRoland. Follow the show on Twitter/slash/X at. Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I appreciate everybody listening. I apologize for the uh, perhaps rambling episode tonight in some respects because it is, as I'm recording this podcast, about 1 a.m. because it was an overtime game. I was at the game, all kinds of stuff I had to get through, and audio pulls and edits and all that stuff. So thank you for your patience if you're listening to this podcast late at night. But uh, yes, please enjoy your Friday. I guess your Thursday and your Friday at this point. I was recording this podcast, and I'll be back at the very latest after the game on Friday.